and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Money, 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 money in the bank review on ESSR Central. Yes, it's ESSR Central here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I'm your main host, Ross McLeod, joined once again, becoming a habit. We're trying to break it with David Hockney. David, how are you? Three in a row. Thank you very much. And thankfully, no more forbidden door patter. So, uh, <laughs> but you know what? The subject is money in the bank, uh, a subject I'm all too familiar with. So I'll... Uh, I'm actually glad to be on this uh, this edition for once. Well, glad to have you on. But just remember, if you want to listen back to any of our Forbidden Door reviews, previews, any of our interviews, any of our uh, past shows like the history of John Cena, 20 years of Randy Orton, so much more, then you find us at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, that's at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Right, diving right into it, Money in the Bank. A pretty good show, I thought. Uh, Money in the Bank coming from the MGM Grand Arena with an attendance of 12,000. Um, obviously moved from its original place, but they gave us a really good show. Six advertised matches on the card with the Women's Money in the Bank, with the United States Championship match, a Raw and SmackDown Women's Championship match a tag team championship match and the men's money in the bank ladder match which we'll get into in a little bit but first let's talk about the women's money in the bank ladder match Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Becky Lynch, Lacey Evans, Raquel uh, Rodriguez, Shotzi Blackheart and Liv Morgan uh, all in there and the latter Liv Morgan coming out the winner and a a decent opener, I'd say, David. Not a money in the bank we'll look back fondly on. And I want to talk to you about the the recent NXT call-ups. Um, Shotzi and Raquel Rodriguez, um, big stars in NXT, uh, former tag team champions, both of them. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez, former women's champion under Raquel Gonzalez, been involved in the War Games concept, been involved in some of the big matches in the women's division in NXT. Unfortunately, here though, we know NXT is pre-taped. We know the, the beauty of editing. We know the pressure is not as big in performing in front of the performance centre as opposed to as opposed to a live crowd in Las Vegas. And Raquel Rodriguez had a few slip-ups, but Shotzi Blackheart. Oh my God. A very, very, very poor showing for her uh, in this match. It just seemed to be everything she looked, everything she touched just turned to absolute carnage. She was slipping, she was botching, she she just looked dangerous in the ring. She looked like someone who just is not ready for the WWE main roster. People were saying, oh, well, she's been wrestling, I believe, for eight years now. That, that doesn't mean anything when it comes to main role, and I include AEW in that. You know, these are the big promotions. These are the promotions where you, you, everything you do is under a microscope, live TV, no readers, and shots of here. A lot of people clamouring, like, glad she was in the money in the bank, thinking it's about time she got that opportunity. 
Shotzi showing why maybe management haven't been giving her these opportunities? Uh, I mean, she had a bad night. I mean, that's the long and short of it. But I've seen, I've watched Shotzi a couple of times in NXT. And to be honest, I actually think she does have still have a lot of potential. But when it came to, you know, a big golden opportunity like Money in the Bank, it was just a, a situation she just not seemed to really click with or seem comfortable in. I don't know if it was maybe, again, maybe she just had a bad day or it just, the ladder match concept isn't something she's all too like accustomed to same could be said with Raquel you know she's got the power advantage on but if you can't get you know if you can't cooperate you know with with a ladder essentially you know I mean what chance have you got to make it look good and I think there was one spot in particular I think Shotzi had Natalia in like an electric chair position and she basically tumbled backwards into the ladder and it just everything just collapsed I think that was the most noticeable botch of the night but Given what happened afterwards, it was, um, I think the, our fellow competitors were actually out defending her, you know, because people are just too quick to criticize in some cases. And I think that's a bit harsh on her because more often than not, she actually delivers a fairly solid performance. I mean, she's no, still got, she's still got, they, ways, to, she's still got like, ways to go before she reaches the top tier, but... but... But a solid performance, I mean, come on, she had a, a match with Tamina and Tamina looked... To, the, the competent one like I know she was one of the one of the not bigger stars but certainly a solid mid-carder in the women's division in NXT but you know other than the big group matches I, I couldn't tell you a Shotzi Blackheart match I, I really couldn't and I think this is somebody who has a lot of, you know, indie credit. She was involved. She was on the first Evolve show uh, on the WWE Network. Um, she's came in with a big fanfare. She does have a lot of online uh, support, but I'm I'm sorry. That was I, I'm going to read uh, something from Finlay Martin's column uh, of what else is going down. This was back in June. He said, Shotzi's match with Tamina on the June 24th Smackdown was all the evidence I needed to convince me that Shotzi should be recalled by the developmental division after Money in the Bank and given the time and tools she needs to boost the in-ring confidence and competence. Even in a match with Tamina for 2 minutes and 40 seconds, she was hesitant, shaky. She looks overawed each time she wrestles on Smackdown. And that, that is the thing, and it is why it's something a lot of people don't discuss when NXT talents come to Raw or SmackDown, NXT, you're on once every two weeks. You know, the golden era of NXT, it was an hour long on the network. The best time you, for NXT. You would sometimes be on one every three weeks. So people weren't over, were, you know, gimmicks like No Way Jose, fun gimmicks, daft gimmicks, they lasted a bit longer because they weren't on every week on a three-hour show. On the three-hour show, Things need to be filled. Segments are longer. And more and more, it just exposes people that aren't ready. And sometimes, you know, going back might be the best thing for them. And I think Shotzi, Shotzi needs to go back. And I think Raquel Gonzalez, I don't think it was as noticeable for her because she was the, she was the big powerhouse. So she was the person getting ganged up on. It was when she was trying to come back 
she looked flustered and clumsy. That is that is something that could be worked on because she is she's very much in a mould. She she's the you know, big mammy cool. <laughs> it's the, it's the role she plays. Yeah, she was she was pinned up in the bottom right corner for most of the match as well. I think she had about three three other women get piled on top of her while she was sandwiched between the corner and uh, one of the ladders. It was she was basically stuck in the one spot for most of the match. But then again, it was the only way to keep her down. It's one of these things where Ra- Raquel's things you can work on with a shot. See, I, th- I think it is just a case of you need more time in development or before you're ready for these sort of big opportunities but the likes of Asuka and Becky Lynch I really enjoyed their back and forth in the match mm. um, they essentially and, carried the whole thing I think Yeah, but and, I think that's where you sort of realise you know I don't think either of them are winning because given what happened on Raw they went and had a no holds barred match the following night yeah. so you get two solid veterans there essentially holding the match up and then you've got reliable talent such as Lexi and probably, dare I say, Lacey Evans at a push? Lacey was okay. Lacey, Lacey had a, a, a an uneventful showing, shall we say. Alexa mm. had some good good uh, moments as well. I liked the the Twisted Bliss and what have you. Um, but let's talk about the feel-good moment. Uh, Liv Morgan, I didn't realise how... I, I like Liv Morgan, just I, I have nothing against Liv Morgan. I, 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 I say, yeah. Liv, I think Liv Morgan's good. But I didn't realise just how big the online following she had was. Mm-hmm. That and the following in the WWE locker room. She seems to be someone who people are rooting for. And it was the first of two pops. We'll get to the second pop later on. Um, where Liv Morgan just blew the roof off this place. We were talking last week about you know, don't have it be someone who's been champion before. Don't let this be a reboot for someone. Let this be a star-making performance. And this this was exactly that. She's had the matches at the mm. start of the year with Becky Lynch. She showed she was ready at the time. And she's got her moment now. Liv Morgan, Miss Money in the Bank. What was your reaction when Liv won it? I was very happy with it because it was a genuinely feel good, nice surprise. And you know, those three points you mentioned, I think Liv Morgan's win actually falls under all three. You know, she's a a credible contender for the title. She's never been champion before and she needed a little bit of rejuvenation given, you know, the the shithousery booking she's been stuck in with, you know, Judgment Day, etc. So this is something I think she needed to freshen up. And bear in mind, she was a raw superstar that won the contract as well. And again, we'll get to the point where uh, later on in the night, you know, we get the second feel-good moment. But yeah, I was—I had no qualms whatsoever about Liv winning, especially because I think she—you almost didn't realize, like, you know, how much she benefited from it as well. Especially when you were looking at sort of somebody who's sort of more on the undercard who might potentially win it. You know, we were talking about the likes of. You know, you said Becky was going to win. I said Lacey was going to win. You know, pick somebody you wouldn't expect. But the person nobody expected to win was Liv Morgan. Which is quite, quite shocking when you say it out loud. And But the response as a whole from the online community and her peers just goes to show, you know, it, I think we really underestimated how popular she is with the audience and with people backstage. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, second match on the card... Uh, Bobby Lashley on uh, on a bit of a run. He's actually exceptionally over. I saw his um, 
his opening promos on Monday Night Raw, the crowd going absolutely, the crowd in San Diego the next night, absolutely mental for Bobby. The crowd in Vegas going mental for Bobby because I think WWE have finally figured out what sort of babyface Bobby Lashley is. He's mm. not a smiling, comedy, funny babyface. He is a guy who, you know, they, they talked before about the heart business, but how, no, we're not thugs. We're, you know, we're guys wearing, you know, $10,000 suits who, when we take these suits off, we can kick your ass. And they've perfectly transitioned him through fan support into that sort of face uh, face role, but not super baby face smiling. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm Lashley. I'm just happy to be here. He is in the he's in the run of his career the past few years with the Hurt Business, two WWE title runs, and now a second United States title run. Uh, no, second of this run. I mean, oh, I see, right? I see, right? Okay, and. Um, yeah, I love the build-up with Theory, and Theory, as usual, playing the cowardly shit heel absolutely perfectly here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bobby Lashley has become one of those characters, I think, where it's a face character that I can get behind, essentially. And it's I like the way that these faces and heels are booked. You know, for, for heel characters, you know, you can sort of move the needle at any point for heels, and you'd probably you probably incite a booing reaction or maybe even a cheer to some extent. But this kind of babyface booking for Lashley is is what suits him best. You know, he, he hasn't really changed much of his gimmick about, you know, being the almighty and the heart business, essentially. But he actually generates a more positive reaction because I think he engages with people and he just doesn't take shit, especially from, you know, a, a chicken shit heel like Austin Theory. And... For the match itself, I mean, I think there was one spot in particular I think they slightly tripped up on, but, you know, that I don't think it was anybody's fault. They kind of bounced back from it, and it was... I think it was like a theory goes for, like, a, a jump. Lashley catches him on his shoulders, but then I think trips over a cable on the outside, and they collapse to the ground. But I think they sort of shrugged it off as if it was, like, a Samoan drop or something. But aside from that, I wasn't expecting a Lashley win. I was expecting, you know, we discussed last week, you know, we were expecting a... Uh, a sneaky roll-up or feet-on-the-rope style win for Theory, but a definitive, mostly clean win for Lashley in just over 10 minutes. It was... And then again, what happened later on, you know, it doesn't affect either of those guys greatly going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I was a bit worried for Lashley. He called a shot at... Um, what was it? Was it Hell in the Cell? We get Hell in a Cell where he beat almost an MVP mm-hmm. um, and he comes out and he, he grabs the replica title in the crowd and it's almost as if he's calling the shot, but management were like, yeah, no. It's like, whoa, but, slow down there, big Bobby. <laughs> we're uh, Roman being kept for La- uh, for Lesnar, but, you know, we've got Brock, um, uh, we've got Lashley in the undercard and I think that's, exactly what the United States Championship needs. It needs a credible, you know, Theory did great with it. I thought Mm -hmm. Theory, and now we have this guy who's going to run with it as a secondary title, as a world title, you know, and make it credible. And yeah, I'm looking forward to their rematch at SummerSlam as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we'll have a good programme going, you know, Lashley, you know, he's the face that people can get 
behind essentially. He's not he's not he's not an underdog face either. You know, he's a dominant face character, and Theory is just the the snivy heel who works great on the mic and will resort to whatever tactics, but he can also pull out some big moves and deliver in big matches. So it it works brilliantly. You see, yeah. you notice that. You see, you notice in the interview afterwards as well. Like I'm pretty sure Lashley lost one of his one of his teeth as well, like one of his molars. Yeah, I think so that's why he was bleeding. I didn't realize he was. I didn't realize he'd actually lost a tooth. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it was like on his the left hand side of his face when he was doing the interview. You could see there was a gap between like <laughs> his back, his back tooth, and then the following the from the rest of them. Jesus. Right, well, a good good back and forth match. Those two are going to clash again at SummerSlam as we find out on Raw. I'd love to see... I'd Not... Pe- people always like all week booking, but I'd love to see Theory getting beat throughout without the help of Vince and without the, without the shenanigans get beat throughout his reign. And then when he cashes in, you've got a list of people going, hang on a minute, mm. I beat you. I should be next in line because I always like it when a champion's first match is like some big multi-man match. So it always, it, it's almost as if it's like, oh, he's not going to walk out with the title and he always does and we always fall for it. But, you know, it's <laughs> one of those things. You always enjoy it when it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, Raw Women's Championship match, Bianca Belair defeating uh, Carmella. Quick seven-minute, ten-second match, this one. Mm-hmm. But I actually quite enjoyed it. I thought it was... Carmella, I think, is very, very, very underrated uh, in the women's division. She's not had a lot of in-ring time this year. You know, they've been rebranding her as the most beautiful woman, etc., etc. But it's one of those ones where, and, you know, the likes of the the big-time Bex, the Charlotte Flair run, Ronda Rousey coming to WWE, Bianca Belair getting her push, etc. She's not really had a chance to show, like, in a main event sense, which she can do. But, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Bianca Carmella. Uh, another strong win for Carmella. Eh, for Bianca, sorry. Oh, hi, God. Another, another strong win for uh, Bianca. And, yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed this match. I had no qualms with it. It was just sort of, you yeah. know, a match and I enjoyed it. Okay. It was fine for what it was, I suppose. But I suppose people were, I think people would have preferred to see Bianca Ray Ripley. But obviously, you know, unfortunate circumstances and injuries sort of put a, put a dent on that. But, I mean, you can't go wrong with Bianca and Carmella. It's just it's just a bit... It's just sort of, it's sort of like the meat and potatoes style of booking. You know, very, very straightforward. Can't go wrong with it. And it sort of plugs the gaps on what was already quite a, a pretty stacked show, all things considered. And But what really caught my attention was the, the angle towards the end where Bianca was on the turnbuckle posing, Carmella chucks her down to the mat and proceeds to post-match attack her. I was thinking to myself, oh my God, cash in, cash in, cash in, cash in. But then she immediately gets back up and just sort of trades blo- trades jibes with her as Carmella's coming back up the ramp. And I think, okay, maybe, maybe we got ahead of ourselves on that one. But it looks like the feud between Bianca and Carmella's still got, still got a bit of steam left. Yeah, I, I think so too, and I think this is done as well. To uh, SummerSlam is in four, you know, four weeks from Money in the Bank. I think this is done in case of 
is Rhea going to be fitting time? And also, uh, when we discuss uh, the SmackDown women's title picture later on, we could also discuss Rhea's uh, and you know influence and in that, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's basically to to keep it going uh, to let them know there's still stuff there, and it, it can easily be, be blown off on a raw. Or if need, we can go all the way to SmackDown. Hey, Carmella can get that match. She didn't get on SmackDown, uh, get on SummerSlam last year. Yep, yep. You know, redeem herself for, you know, Sasha missing the boat. Carmella had it, and then Becky just ruins it for her. But hey ho, um, tell you what, I would like this to be a stipulation match if they do do it at SummerSlam. You know, yeah, let's make it interesting. I, I, let's make it let's make it a cage match just for just because. Bianca, uh, sorry, um, Carmella had some really good like uh, stipulation matches with the likes of uh, Nikki Bella during their feud. So I, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I, I really enjoyed that year of SmackDown Women's Wrestling. Um, uh, the twenty seventeen era was. Oh no, sorry, twenty sixteen. Late sixteen Yeah, it was a decent era. But I yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it, and yeah, it showed what Carmella can do, and I'm. I'm a big fan of Bianca Belair. I'm also a big fan of her husband, Montez Ford. Uh, the Street Profits versus the Usos for the Undisputed Tag Team Championships. The Usos coming away with a win here. I am going to say it. I don't care where anyone wrestles. I don't care what promotion you love. I'm sorry, but the Usos are the best tag team in the world right now. And Montez Ford just showed in this match. That Dawkins and Ford both had great showings, but Montez Ford showed why he is going to be WWE's next big breakout star. He is going to be, I'm going to call it now, he'll be world champion within five years. Montez Ford. Big claim. Yeah, and they had a great, I think the the doubt isn't ever on Roman, the doubt is always on the bloodline. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, is it going to be them that lose and have to, you know, get a scalding off a of Roman? But, the, you know, all four guys brought it. It was a great and enjoyable 25-minute match. Yeah. And, yeah, the Usos going into SummerSlam, still champions. I called this last week. I said this match was going to be match of the night, and I think I was proven right. So, I swear, I... I don't think I've seen a more exciting tag team title match than probably I would say either DIY versus the Revival two out of three falls, or Undisputed Era versus Larkin and Birch at Takeover Chicago. Like everything about this match, you know, it took a it took a few minutes to really get going. You know, there was a few few slaps here and there, a few sort of suck it jibes and stuff uh but see when they got going holy shit like you could have you could just feel the drama pouring out of your your tv it was insane like the stuff that dawkins was pulling off as well i mean the guy's six foot five 250 pounds and yet he's moving like a cruiserweight around the ring doing tope flips over the top rope lands it flawlessly montez then comes in does that corner jump over the the ring post lands on his feet and it there's about three different occasions i actually thought the profits were going to win but near fall after near fall after near fall with so many finishes left right and center super kicks montez does his big splash 
and it ends in a questionable finish. Like, it just makes you scream for them to go at it again. But the Usos retaining, I think, definitely was the right call because I think if they are going to lose, it has to be in front of a massive crowd, especially you know, with them being the top heels tag team on the on the roster. But this, these two guys, these two teams are everything that WWE should be doing with tag team wrestling. Everything from great chemistry, great tandem offense, the drama, the the excitement, and even just throwing a, a slightly controversial finish, and it makes people want to see even more of it. it this was flawless. Um, you mentioned uh, losing the title in front of a bigger crowd. Do you think that happened at Clash at the Castle uh, when they come to the UK in September? Or do you think that could happen in a few weeks' time at SummerSlam? Could be both, to be honest. But I think what you said about you know Roman possibly chastising the Usos a little bit ahead of Clash at the Castle, it would make sense to lose it at SummerSlam. But then again, you could put all your eggs in one basket and have... Uh, everyone dropped their titles at uh, in Cardiff. Like, I think I prefer the latter, to be honest, because then, you know, some of us on the team are actually going to go to that event. So seeing it live, you know, seeing the bloodline lose everything would actually be pretty surreal. They're currently building up the Viking, uh, the Viking Raiders on SmackDown. They're going through, um, they're going through the New Day. Like, they're nothing at the minute. Do you think by Clash at the Castle they could have built the Viking Raiders up enough to take the titles from the Usos? Again, still possible, but the Viking Raiders are now being presented more like a heelish team, I think. And a heel-be-heel sometimes works. You know, say, Wyatt Family versus The Shield. But in this instance, I think you'd probably need... You'd probably need a face team in there in some capacity. So you could maybe have a triple threat. You know, say if the Prophets beat the Vikings, the Usos don't technically get pinned, but they still lose the title. Roman could still chastise them. So they don't look no, too I, weak. But you disagree? That, that, um, that, that, for me, I think, kills the Vikings' momentum, which they're just getting going again. I, I know we do this every... It's like Nakamura and the Viking Raiders, they really are... Like every so often they'll get reboot and we'll think, this is it, it's this time. Mm. But um, I think Aye. the Vikings, I, I know you mentioned heel versus heel. I think at this point, the bloodline are so popular, you know, even Roman gets cheered now. You know, we didn't think that would be possible back mm. in 2019. Um, get cheered. You know, the Usos get cheered. They're just so over at this point Yeah. That the Viking Raiders, people want them to succeed as well. That I think you look at Sheamus versus Cesaro, uh, Sheamus and Cesaro, sorry, that wasn't an established tag team. They were just put together at that time. Sheamus was playing an established team, tag team. at the same time because the New Day had held the title for so long, it was something you, you didn't see it coming that you know Cesaro and Sheamus were going to win. So I think it's it's one of those ones because the Usos have officially been SmackDown Tag Team Champions for a year. At this point, I think it's a case of, yeah, whoever takes the title from them, they are going to get a big pop. Mm. Uh, I, 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 we mentioned the Street Profits. I'd, I'd love to see them go at it again. I wouldn't be against yeah. them doing it again at SummerSlam. 
there was a rumor going around that they could potentially be splitting the profits up and given, as you said, Montez's his, his singles push. I wonder if that'll happen at SummerSlam. You know, they give us an outstanding tag team match yet again. The Usos win and then the profits go their separate ways afterwards. Like it gives us, it, it sort of ties into everything that's being planned. You know, it leaves people wanting more. It gives the profits have a reason to go after the titles again, given that Montez's shoulder was technically off the mat during that three count. And again, it lines up for a potential split. You know, Montez can get a singles push after SummerSlam. You know, get through the the dry period. You know, that the WrestleMania hangover, and then start afresh. I wouldn't mind seeing them go their separate ways in the draft sort of Big E style where, you know, it's we, we haven't broken up. We can, you know, if you need me, I'll be around. But we, we're, we need to go our, our own ways for now, you know what I mean? Is the draft really a thing, though? Because didn't they say like a few months back that the brand split is effectively over? Because you've got people from both brands appearing on Raw and SmackDown now. Okay. Who knows? Who knows? But we'll just need to see how it goes. Ironically, mm-hmm. um, I think Montez Ford. If they were if they were doing things properly, I'd love to see Montez Ford. You know, as the cruiserweight champion, I'd have loved to have seen that as a springboard. You could have went cruiserweight to mid card to then eventual world title, but fortunately, mm-hmm. that is not a thing anymore. So we'll just have to fantasy book in our own minds. Well, Dave, um, I'm sorry, but we um, we now come along to Natalia versus Ronda Rousey. Pass. And, and you're you're welcome to pass because I'll be honest. And for those view, uh, those listeners listening who live in the UK, you understand if you're watching these pay per view live, uh, these pay per views live or these premium live events as WWE like to call them nowadays, live, then. You you need a break because they're on at 1 a.m. It's far too much. So at this point, I had a wee a wee nap, a wee shut my eyes. I woke up, I had I'd seen that she had won. I haven't watched the match back. I'm not going to watch the match back. From what I heard, it was a decent showing, but it was nothing to write home about. Let's talk about the moment we want to talk about. Let's talk about the cash in. We predicted it last week. I'd, I'd say less predicted, more prayed for it last week when we went, can someone cash in on these people? Please, just someone. And that someone was Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan continuing the trend of Alexa Bliss and Bailey of cashing in that night. Um, and yeah. I couldn't find oh. cashing in that night and by Philip Bailey, but here is other music by Philip Bailey. Oh, well, we're going to have Philip Bailey for my Alexa here. What the fuck? That was Easy Lover by Philip Bailey there because I said Bailey and my Alexa went, I couldn't find Bailey cashing in that night. What the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> That's staying in. That is brilliant. <laughs> um, I'm scared to... T- I turned my legs off at the wall there. I'm scared to turn it back on in case it... <laughs> but yeah... Uh, um, but you've also you've also not forgotten the trend of Asuka and Nikki A.S.H. cashing in within 24 hours as well. So literally every women's Money in the Bank winner thus far, bar Carmella, has cashed in within 24 hours of winning. 
Yeah, it's there's not been a long term missed money the bank, as you said, since Carmela, but you know what? I was very happy to see it here. And I, I don't know if anyone's seen it, go on to WWE's Twitter. It's the reaction of Michael Cole and Pat McAvey mm-hmm. as uh, as Liv Morgan cashes in. The the reaction then the likes of Kevin Owens, uh, Ruby Soho on Twitter. Uh, we had Sarah Logan. She was on WWE's The Bump the other day. Congratulations, uh-huh. uh, Liv Morgan. Just someone, it, it's nice to see someone nice get to the top. Yeah, like I've watched uh, Colin Pat's reaction on the YouTube channel because I think they posted it there as well. And I've, I don't think I've seen a more genuine reaction from commentators since probably Seth Rollins' heist of the century. It was some really, it was, a, again, it just added to that feel-good moment, you know, Liv wins money in the bank at the start of the night, and now, less than two hours later, she's back out, pins Ronda Rousey, of all people, and with a roll-up, <laughs> and wins the title. It was, I mean, you can't, you can't make it up. It's, 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 this, this is like, proper fairy tale sort of booking a little bit and there was a point where i thought oh god liv's been in the ankle lock for a good while and i thought oh i really hope she doesn't tap out from this because i just hope she doesn't fail it because she she doesn't deserve it and then that one shot to ronda's bad leg straight to the roll-up i thought oh surely they will win off a roll-up and then it was like oh damn she's just done it and the the crowd pop as well i don't think i've heard that big a pop uh, from a cash-in win since probably Dolph Ziggler or maybe even Seth Rollins at a push. Like, that was uh, one of the best cash-in wins I think we've, any of us have seen. I, I, as I said, I did take a wee nap and I, I was just kind of blinking back, like, you know that way you're blinking and sleeping and you're, like, you're, you're dozing in and out and I heard the music as I saw and that kind of sat me up and as you mentioned, the fear, the absolute fear you got when she had been in that ankle lock a bit too long. They, they did make us doubt, and it was Ronda after the classy thing you do. She hands the title over. It looks like she's going to be. I, I did. I never thought like the the plan is apparently her and Becky at WrestleMania in a singles match next year. I. Pardon me, I don't think, um, or I didn't think, sorry, for a minute that she was going to hold that for a year. There was no way she was going to be on WWE TV for a year or at least for nine months straight. She she will go off and have a break now. Um, but yeah, it was great to see. And it now makes the SmackDown Women's Division a lot more interesting because you do have, you know, we, we do have the likes of Raquel and... Uh, Tamina and uh, Shotzi, who we, we mentioned earlier, maybe mm-hmm. not ready at this point, but Ronda Rousey's character is invincible. Ronda Rousey's in-ring, in-ring wrestler is not able to carry a match. But the likes of Natalia, the likes of Liv, who have had that big match experience and have shown they're ready, they maybe could bring these people along. And the thing with Liv is she's not invincible. Much like the take that song says, she's not invincible. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's anything we've learned about Ronda Rousey is that her kryptonite is roll-ups 
and crucifix pins and also <laughs> big boots as well. Well, would you call it Ronda Rousey is now 25 and 2 in singles matches in WWE? That's she's 20, crazy, yeah. And 27 singles matches, and she's only lost to Charlotte and Liv Morgan in those singles matches. She has lost a couple of tag matches and the triple threat match, but in actual singles matches, she's 25 and 2. That's a very impressive record. Yeah. And going to see Liv Morgan going forward. And there there's no shame in one of those losses being a cash-in match either because yeah. it's meant to be used when you're not 100%. So, But a match where she has lost 100% was probably Charlotte. And But there's no shame in being in losing via cash-in. Well, she would just call it um, Liv Morgan going forward. Two obvious feuds. One, Natalia being like, oh, you know, I was the one that did the damage you... You know, mm-hmm. you snuck in, you ungrateful, millennial you, you know, because mm-hmm. she's the female Dolph Ziggler now. Or, you know, Rhea Ripley was meant to have a Raw Women's title match. She didn't get that. She's... I think she, Rhea will still get that Raw Women's title match. Liv Morgan needed a, Liv needed a bit of a refresh, and her jumping to SmackDown, I think, is exactly what she needs. She's part of the Judgment Day just now. I think the Judgment Day could be good on SmackDown. I think I, I, that's just my opinion. I think it would work on Raw or SmackDown. But yeah, Rhea Ripley versus Liv Morgan. You, you, we, be, we did mention, you know, we're, we're talking about people jumping, but we have said before, people are reporting that the brand split isn't isn't set in stone at the minute. It might actually be dead for, for now until the networks get involved again. But yeah, um, it looks like you know, we can have cross-promotional matches and Liv versus Rhea Ripley, I'd be I'd be happy to see it. I mean, they do have history as a tag team, so why the hell not? And it was Rhea that turned on Liv when she had the, the heel turn. So, it, I mean, it makes sense. One thing I would yeah, like I to add, though, just to say, like, after Liv cashes in and it goes to Colin Pat for the, the segue... We actually got a very rare real name drop where Cole was saying like how Liv thoroughly deserves it after busting her ass for best part of, what, seven years? And mm-hmm. how she started off as humble beginnings in the performance center. She says, oh, nice to meet you. I'm Gianna, which is her, obviously her real name. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that often you hear real names getting dropped in basically addressing a superstar's rise to to superstardom. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, going forward, a couple of options there for uh, for uh, Liv Morgan. You said her real name there and I, I completely forgot her character name. <laughs> Gianna Morgan. Nice let's, go, let's go to the main event, Money in the Bank ladder match, Drew McIntyre, Madcap Moss, Omos, Riddle, Sami Zayn, Seth freaking Rollins and Sheamus all in the ring, getting ready for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. When Adam Pearce appears... Yeah, no, hold, hold on just a minute, players. <laughs> um, and decided that, no, seven wasn't enough. We needed an eighth participant. I'm going to ask you, David, honestly, who did you think this was going to be when you saw it? I honestly wasn't sure because I, I perked up when I heard, wait a minute, there's a another person coming in. Oh, that's a, I can't, like, I 
I wasn't too sure at first. And then, because I was on my seat thinking, right, who the hell have they got? Like, could it be, uh, could this be like an amazing twist? Just, or just see it like a, a return of sorts. But no. Who did you want it to be? Like, just think, right. who did you really not want it to be? Because uh, I didn't want another Brock Lesnar when he wins the Rumble, but then wins the WWE title. I, I really didn't want that. Yeah, I was trying to think, hey, you know what would be great though? I mean, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but can you imagine if Cody Rhodes did a massive, like, Super Cena cranked up to 11 and he healed his pectoral muscle within the space of about a month? Like, that would have been insane to see. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was dead. We get the, sni- the sniveling little bastard known as Austin Theory. Well, Theory was the was the person that got, I was thinking John Cena for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, yes, Cena was the other one. That's that's who it was. Yeah. But yeah, as Theory Theory comes out, Vince McMahon's Golden Boy gets another chance. It's the faces of every competitor on the ring, heel and face. They are not happy about it. Mm. Um, I think they would have been happier if if Cena came out. <laughs> I enjoyed the men's money in the Mike ladder match. Um, again, much like the women's, it's not going to be one that's an instant. Oh, that was the best of all time. But it's money in the Mike ladder matches are always fun because there is the the chance of someone new breaking into superstardom. There is the chance for a rebook for a star that really needs it. And there is the, you know, the, always the danger factor. It brings the danger factor back. And yeah, the fact that it's, um, the, th- the fact that Theory goes on to win the Money in the Bank ladder match just makes the audience hate him all the more. And we, we talked about Lashley's run, you know, and the heels he's been facing. The fact that Austin Theory is so unlikable has played into Bobby Lashley's face transition beautifully, I think. Aye, for sure. See when Theory actually won the briefcase, do you know what my God's honest reaction was? Like, when he pushed Riddle off the ladder and he was there unhooking the briefcase, I was like, oh, piss off! Like, I, I literally said that at the top of my voice because that's how much this guy is... That's how much I despise this character. It's, But it was so cleverly done like as soon as he announced it, i thought right there's actually a chance that he could win this but i didn't want to fully gamble on it i thought you know they might just swerve us at the last little bit you know give it to like drew or sammy that kind of thing but yeah it as it, it slowly dawned on me that theory was going to win it because he wouldn't you know, have had the match for any other reason i really enjoyed the fact that that Theory won it for the reason that he's Vince McMahon's hand-picked, you know, hand-picked superstar. Mm-hmm. I would love to see weeks of Austin Theory cashing in and then week after week, excuse after excuse is made for Austin Theory not being able to cash in and he gets his briefcase back. Do you know what that actually sounds very familiar to? When yeah. it sounds familiar to when Drew was signed by Vince personally in 2009 yeah. at 21 years old and was dubbed the chosen one, he would be a future world champion. He went undefeated, went to win the Intercontinental title, and even if he lost, the loss would get struck from his record. So he would still be 
technically undefeated. And when he was when Teddy Long fired him and he dropped the Intercontinental title as, as a result, he basically got it back as after he was reinstated. But then only for all that momentum to die down, goes to 3MB, gets released, comes back, rebuilds himself in NXT, and then becomes the the man he was proclaimed to be. I just hope Theory doesn't go down that same path because they've put in so much stock with this guy. You know, he's already been a mid-card champion. He now has the Money in the Bank briefcase, which basically, like, at least eight out of ten times, it's going to get him a world title. So I just hope he doesn't resort to, you know, uh, resort to teaming with, you know, Massey and Mansoor in the the new SmackDown male model stable. I'm saying you leave Max some male models alone. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, he's, he's got the look. He's, I mean, theory's got the look for it. I think he could pull it off. You know, if he ever, if his world title run comes to an end, I reckon that's where he'll end up. I am glad there is someone with not only a bit of steam behind them, but steam that isn't dying off anytime soon. And they have a believability about them. This isn't a notice. Money in the no. bank when it's done for shock factor. The shock factor here was the fact that he wasn't in the match, but he has been touted by WWE even even on that first Evolve special where he unifies the Evolve and the W WNZ or WZN a World Championship on that Evolve special. You know he has been he has been prominently featured, be it with even in the background with the likes of. You know, Andrade Angel and Zelina Vega, then in part of Seth Rollins' uh, Disciples, then in The Way with Johnny Gargano. Then he's in, you know, he's now Vince McMahon's chosen one, you know. Mm-hmm. And that comes after beating the likes of Rey Mysterio and Jeff Hardy in his first few weeks on the Raw roster. He is a, he was a name pick. He was a, a TV pick mm-hmm. on on the draft. You know, that's that's usually when you know they have plans for you. So, yeah. Do you know what? You know what's just popped into my head there? What? A little bit of fantasy booking. Oh, for God's sake. So, Go Clash at the Castle. We get Roman versus Drew. Drew wins. Deary cashes in on him there and then. The home, like the UK crowd, like goes batshit crazy, like hating this guy. And then after that, you get a feud between Theory and Drew where Theory could say, you were once the chosen one. Now I am the chosen one. Vince, I am Vince McMahon's golden boy. Like, you used to be, but you failed. And then that can set up a, a world title feud between the two. You know, I... I wouldn't be against that, but I, I'd like to see him lose the cash on, like I said. And then, you know, that that Monday on Raw, we find some convoluted excuse why why he's, you know, allowed to allowed to get his briefcase back. I also think if he wins both belts, his first loss will be the, the devolution of the titles because I think he'll be, oh no, you know, you only beat me for one title, you've got to pick one, the other one's still mine, blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. something something convoluted. He will be he will be a weak champion, but he will be 
he'll be hidden behind the authority leak. Mm. So it'll just it'll be so annoying, you know, to see him weasel his way out constantly. You think it'll be like Miz's first title run? You know, people were saying Miz was like a solid favorite to be the first to cash in and fail. Yeah, he goes on to defeat Randy Orton and has a fairly decent title run, albeit, you know, it wasn't the most groundbreaking of the lot. You know, he gets out via uh, snaky tactics. You know, Michael Cole helps him in his first TLC match against Jerry Lawler. Then there's the the tables finish with Randy Orton. You know, he gets Riley involved. And yeah, it doesn't. it takes John Cena and John Morrison in a cage to bring him down. Yeah, I think like eventually when he, he gets caught, I think it, I think he'll be more high profile than him as because I think even though Vince is out of the creative process, sorry, out of the uh, out of the office process, he's still involved in the creative process and he's still um, he is still on TV regularly. So I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to say the least. And yeah. I think that that's. All I can yeah. say about it without going into uber fantasy booking mode. Aye. Also, Omos, I think, actually put in a very underrated performance. You know, yes. he was made to look very dominant. And it, yeah, it took the remaining six guys to like gang up on him, you know, bury him under a pile of ladders. All six of them put him through the announce table. Like he took some big spots, but he didn't look weak at the same time. He actually held his own pretty well. So yeah, definitely the the underrated performer of the match, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree. He's, um, he had a great, would you call it, he had a great back and forth uh, with a lot of guys. And I love the new, would you call it, I love the the new gear. I, I love the fact that he's moved away mm-hmm. from, you know, just plain black. Yeah, I think he was draped in like Nigerian colours as well. Like he had a bit of dark green on his on his uh, top. I think it was. All right. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell, but it was like you're mixing dark green with black. It's a little bit, a little bit tricky to differentiate it. Well, no. Um, but yeah, that is money in the bank. I would give it a a solid seven out of ten. I agree. Yeah, like. Some very good booking with the Money in the Bank ladder matches, albeit a couple of botches in in between, but that tag team match, that contributes to most of it. Yeah. Um, So let's move on from Money in the Bank to the fallout that happens on Monday Night Raw. So we mentioned last week, Logan Paul signed with the WWE and he has said that he's coming for The Miz. The Miz on Raw has said, Retract your statements about me. Come learn under my learning tree, and together you and I will become tag team champions. Mm-hmm. Now, Miz has been feuding with AJ Styles recently on TV. Ch- Tommaso Ciampa has been in and around, um, in and around Miz recently. It's looking as if we could have at SummerSlam Tommaso Ciampa and the Miz against AJ Styles and Logan Paul. You know what? I'm not entirely against that. You know, it, it seems a bit of an oddball match that you sort of make if you press random on WWE 2K22. But regardless, Logan Paul has proven he can go in a ring. And the tag team concept 
actually protects him a little bit, sort of hides his, his naivete, his rookiness. But when he's there to deliver spots, you know, he does pretty good, as evident against the Mysterios. And he's if he has someone on his team like AJ Styles, who is like a 25-year veteran, I think he's in a perfectly safe pair of hands. But the feud is... The feud there is Logan Paul getting revenge against The Miz for turning on him at WrestleMania even after they won. And Champions of Legion sort of gives Miz like some backup as well. So yeah, it, it sort of writes itself a little bit. Yeah, and you easily enough could have Champa take the pin and then Logan still, you know, still wants to get his hands on The Miz sort of thing. You could you could easily build this up to next year's WrestleMania, I think. You could, yeah. One but thing yeah, I will I, say though is Logan Paul is still quite a divisive figure amongst the internet community. So I don't think there's any guarantee he's gonna get like a massive face pop. I think it's gonna be a bit of a, a split crowd. I think he'll get booed like you get booed at WrestleMania after usual. Oh, this isn't wrestling. Meanwhile they'll watch the young bucks do 10 super kicks to a guy and yet nothing phases him and go, yeah, this is wrestling. No, it's fucking not. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry, that's a touch of old man yells at cloud there. But yeah, like Logan Paul, he's proved he can go. I, I, I don't doubt he's going to be everyone's favourite wrestler straight off the bat, but he brings in notoriety. He brings in a, you know, outside world, you know, Mm. He, he brings in outside world interest and in the WWE people talk about oh remember when we used to get these celebrities yeah because those celebrities were relevant for the time frame we're in a digital world WWE yeah. is constantly striving to be a part of that digital world Logan Paul with his millions and millions of followers whether they whether people like him or not is a is a markable person the man is a fucking millionaire for God's sake mm-hmm off of just being himself because he knows how to brand himself so Aye. yeah I did like that KSI humbled him though in that boxing match I think that's oh. something he needed just to get knocked out of peg oh for god's sake it was a load of rubbish I, I know it was a load of rubbish but it was good to see the shit get kicked out of him <laughs> but yeah it looks like we could get that tag match in WWE a tag match we won't be getting soon is one featuring the team of Naomi and Sasha Banks they have been off WWE TV recently, um, and it looks like they are officially gone. Uh, reports coming out that they've been removed from the internal roster uh, or from WWE. Um, reports were coming out when it was rumoured that they were released. The WWE still had them in their internal roster, and they had reached out to the likes of Sasha and Naomi to bring them back. However, it looks like in the coming days, we could see a few best of luck in your future endeavor tweets. Oh boy! I mean, if that's the way it's going, I think it's a damn shame. Like Sasha and Naomi weren't weren't really like. I'm going to be kind of careful because I mean they both had a fair share of success, but they've never. I don't think they've been fully appreciated by the higher-ups, especially think, with what they've presented to the table. I think Sasha's been fully appreciated. Sasha, um, Sasha, Becky, Bailey, and Charlotte, I think, 
you know, and we can talk about how good they are or not, but they have always benefited from being the four horsewomen of NXT. They've always benefited from being Triple H's golden girls, you know, mm-hmm. and the likes of Alexa Bliss and Carmella and that have came out in the past and said, uh, you know, when they've had great matches or when, you know, they've had the end of the year awards and they've not met, they went, yeah, it doesn't count because the four horsewomen weren't involved, you know. So there is that, Sasha Banks has always had that, but Sasha Banks to me is a very, a very CM Punk-esque character who she's only happy, Triple H said in a promo to CM Punk once, you're not happy with change, you're only happy with change if it means CM Punk's on top. Mm. You're not, you're just a martyr. And that is what Sasha Banks feels like sometimes. Naomi, on the other hand, Look at the the non Twitter, the non wrestling Twitter reaction to Naomi's appearances in the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of African American females uh, saying, "Who is this? We want more of this." You know, non wrestling. You know, hey, where can we find more about about this? You know, this woman. You know, she was just a character that captivated. You know not only wrestling fans, but outside of wrestling as mm-hmm. well. And, you know, she had the Top Diva stuff. She's part of the Anoa'i family now. You know, she's she's someone who I I agree with you there. I don't think she's been appreciated. But Sasha Banks, no, I think she has had more than her fair share of opportunities. And at times, she's been rather ungrateful for it, I think. Um, she, she basically didn't count her blessings. Is that what you're trying to? Yeah, find? yeah. I think I think as well. You know, the the story came out uh, after WrestleMania 35 when the Iconics got their big moment. And, and they lost it, the tag titles. Yeah, yeah. And it was Sasha and Bailey's behavior. Like, guys, come on! Like, you know, this is someone else's big moment. Those guys had many a big moment. And you know, you look at Sasha; she was in. The first women's main event in NXT TakeOver history. She was in the first women's main event in WWE history. She was in the first Hell in a Cell. She was entrant number one in the first Royal Rumble. She was the first, uh, she was the first ever Iron Woman in a Royal Rumble. She was the, in the first ever women's elimination chamber. She was in the first ever women's tag team elimination chamber. She was the first ever women's tag team champion. She was one of a uh, one of a few people to hold the Raw NXT Smack uh, Raw NXT SmackDown and Women's Tag Team Championships. So yeah, look, she had a lot a lot of success, a lot of big opportunities, and I, I understand their frustration that you know the Women's Tag Division was sort of a non-starter. I get that, however. Sasha Banks' attitude to certain things. I, I don't have a lot of sympathy here for her. I do have a lot of sympathy for Naomi. And Naomi's been there for best part of 12 years as well. Like starting on the original game show format of NXT, where I think she was runner up. And she stuck with WWE ever since. You know, Celeste Bonin left, AJ Lee left. Uh, the rest of the cast were never heard from again, practically. And yeah, it's. It's crazy to think that Naomi has only had, like, what was it? I'd think maybe four title runs. 
three singles, one tag team title run. And she's been there nearly twice as long as Sasha has. And I think she only had two, 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 two singles reigns plus the tag title. So only three. Yeah, only three reigns all in all. So that's basically the equivalent of one championship reign every four years she's been there, which is yeah. diabolical for someone of her talent. And I see it on Twitter all the time, you know, everybody saying, push Naomi and we want to see more of her. And I'm pretty sure during the pandemic era, I think she was actually given a a bit of a spot where, you know, she was able to address that. But I don't think it went much further than that. I think people just were clamoring for her, you know, just give her something to do because she's very, she's incredibly athletic. She's cuts a half decent promo and her character, you know, the, the glow, it's, it's a unique concept. It's, oh, uh, yeah, you can, I think you can, you can definitely sympathize more with Naomi over Sasha on this one. But yeah, it looks like they won't be in WWE anytime soon. Um, they certainly won't be popping up on the wrestling entertainment series anytime soon either. <laughs> um, wrestling entertainment series ran by the former AOP uh, tag team. Um, there's been a lot said about this the past few months it was originally rescheduled um, Chelsea Green came out and said like, do, do not buy tickets for this, I'm not on the show and neither is half the people on the roster uh, the former Aiden English uh, Matthew Reinwald uh, currently an Impact wrestling uh, commentator he was asked to commentate on it. He released a series of tweets saying, because they were former colleagues and friends, I forgo, I forgo, I forwent other bookings to to take this booking despite no guarantees up front. I've now lost money because he booked hotels and flights and what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the former Nia Jax had said she'd not been paid and she would not be travelling to the UK. Um, 350 tickets sold for Nottingham's Motor Point Arena. Um, That's poor. Very, very <laughs> five-star wrestling vibes about it. But yeah, so the wrestling entertainment series uh, put out the following on their social media outlets. They said, Dear fans and followers, unfortunately we will ca- have to cancel the scheduled event for this Saturday at the Motor Point Arena in Nottingham, England. We are deeply disappointed in the news that we have to share, but with so many talent not showing up, basically putting the blame on them, uh, we'll have no choice but to cancel the event. Our team works so hard in this event, day in and day out, the fans to come with a different wrestling event and believe that we will still be able to show that in the near future. We do not want to say that all our talent uh, we sorry, we do want to say that all our talent that was scheduled have been paid in advance, and that Lena F- uh, Fanani, Lena, <laughs> yeah. Lena Fanin, Lena Fanin, who the former Nia Jax, has been paid on deposit as well. Or she changed her mind and did not want to show up and wrestle anymore. For now, we will have to apologise to this, but we promise that it will not end here. See you soon. Uh, it was Adam Callier. Uh, our own here at ESSR he posted for the Daily Stars uh, saying just being told that this rearranged show which still has people advertising the posters aren't coming and is being held in a 10,000 seater stadium uh, has sold, drumroll please less than 350 tickets so yeah, 350 tickets not even not, 5% of the capacity yeah, so some of the some of the talent originally on the poster, you had the likes of the former Braun Strowman, Moose, 
uh, Alexander Overmean, uh, Lindsay Dorado, Callisto, Nia Jax, Demo, uh, Eric Young. Um, yeah, so basically a big demo as well. So many talent that were due to due to be on the show and just aren't now. They they aren't on the show. Chelsea Green pulled out. Uh, Aiden English pulled out. You know, so many so many talented wrestlers who were booked for the show and have just decided, yeah, no, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, nah, fuck it. Uh, but Mojo did do a has sort of kept his flight and stuff. He's just said yeah, he's going to spend a week in England now, and he posted a picture on his Twitter feed where he stood outside a, a Poundland. Yeah, <laughs> um, Mojo Rawley, um, the former Mojo Rawley, uh, Dean Mahadi, had Daddy. had put on. Um, just, you're like David Campbell trying to pronounce New Japan performers' <laughs> names. Shut up, you bastard! Anyway. Um, <laughs> Um, he had posted about um, yeah, as you mentioned, he's still going to take his. Uh, he's going to come with his fiance and just have a week in England. But you know, he's going to keep his promise. So any any um, people with tickets can come along to the arena and have a meet and greet with him for free. Anyone who doesn't have a ticket can pay a small fee, and that fee will go to the local talent. Um, while you know, uh, to to basically pay for the local talent that hadn't been paid because you know the likes of likes of the big stars like you know Eric Young and Moose and all that you know they've got their regular bookings whereas there's a lot of local talent that was booked in that show that won't have been paid and will have lost out big time so well done to him for doing that because I I think I've mentioned this before he was on Renee Paquette's podcast he was talking yeah. about. Um, he is a brand representing wrestlers, and what he said his goal here is to get wrestlers and in more commercials and more, uh, more mainstream advertisement. Because it says, I don't think non non wrestling fans don't realise the online power that certain wrestlers have. You know, there's wrestlers with four, five, six million Twitter followers, whereas you know people who win at, say, that year's Olympics or the, the most recent Olympics and are athletes, you know, they're they're in mainstream adverts, but they only have one or two million Twitter followers. So, and they're not going to be in the public eye forever. Whereas wrestlers, consistently, they're moving from New Japan to WWE, to AEW, to Impact, to back to WWE, you know, they're constantly moving, they're constantly making, you know, they're meeting new viewers, they're, they're making new fans and there is that object for long-term brand engagement. Mm. And he represents 30 wrestlers and AOP are two of those wrestlers. And I think he knows that his brand will be damaged because AOP's brand is going to be damaged. So therefore it's going to be him that has to work to get the AOP's image back up to scratch. Yeah. And... Yeah, so classy thing about Mojo and very smart, smart businessman. I and I think the way he announced his meet and greet, I think that was definitely a very nice. It was a nice gesture of goodwill to those that actually made the effort to pay for tickets, and at least they're going to get something out of it rather than just getting a a typical refund through Ticketmaster or wherever they sold their their tickets from. But it's it's always having the, that gesture of goodwill, and I've learned this, you know, just 
from you know working regular jobs is that if you're working in a, a public service and you're selling tickets to an event and it doesn't go to plan sometimes even a gesture of goodwill can go a long way even if it doesn't like severely detriment customers out of their their money you know it just sort of gives them a a little bit of faith you just say listen we messed up we want to make up to you somehow and we don't want you to feel like your money was wasted so come join us at this meet and greet keep your ticket and we'll do like a a bit of a say hello say how are you that kind of thing it's these little things go up can be surprisingly effective yeah, absolutely. But yeah, um, it is upsetting as well because it is nice to see new promotions pop up and new places for people to work. But unfortunately, this has been an absolute bust. Uh, but yeah. Like, like Fire Festival. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Will Osprey uh, recently on the Wrestling podcast um, was interviewed about his recent appearance at Forbidden Door. Will Ospreay um, basically took aim at Kenny Omega and said the reason Kenny Omega has a Kenny Omega is the reason that Will Ospreay wasn't there sooner. He was mentioning, pardon me. He mentioned how in Japan he's regularly going out for drinks after the show with people on the show, people who were making forbidden door appearances, and they were telling him about how he was going to be there over a year ago. Um, and it stems back to Kenny Omega's last match in New Japan where he wanted um, Kota Ibushi out there. Unfortunately, he was injured in a match with Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay says, I didn't do it on purpose. I don't do these things on purpose. You know, I, I felt bad myself, but he went, Kenny is such a... His exact words were, Kenny's such a little bitch. Um, wow. And he mentioned about how it doesn't take... A genius to put two and two together that when Kenny Omega's in uh, when Kenny Omega is on TV and the Forbidden Door starts I'm not allowed over but as soon as Kenny Omega is no longer on TV and he's no longer involved in the booking that's when I get to go over so yeah well Osprey not a, not a Kenny Omega fan hmm I mean, I'm not sure how much I can comment on that because I don't really know the, the full history between them. But, I mean, it'll certainly make some interesting TV, you know, if Kenny decides to return and Will Osprey's still sort of hanging around on AW booking as well. But, oh, hate to interrupt you there, Ross, but we have some breaking news in from NXT UK. Right, so, it's, uh, it looks like Ilya Dragunov has vacated the NXT UK title due to injury. All right. And it looks like they've set up an eight-man tournament to determine a new champion. Well, there we are. So there we are. NXT UK, certainly uh, certainly worth the watching the next few weeks. NXT UK is one of those ones that is only an hour long. Um, a lot of fans say, you know, don't sleep on it. But it is, it, with the amount of WWE content they put out, it is, unfortunately, sometimes the forgotten child. Um <laughs> But uh, I'm, I feel bad for Ilya Dragunov. Um, a great champion, a great wrestler, a hard-hitting wrestler. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Hopefully there's no not a serious injury there. But yeah, um, I look forward to seeing who's in the tournament and look forward to going forward, seeing who's 
seeing who becomes the new champion. Speaking of new champions, you know, we've had a bit of bad news there about Ely Ragnar. Let's have a bit of good news. Um, Wardlow. Wardlow is now the new TNT champion, defeating hey. Scorpio Sky. Not good for my and draft team. I've got bloody Scorpio on my team. Last thing I need is more injuries or title losses. Anyway, back in the real world, um, Wardlow winning the TNT title from Scorpio Sky on Dynamite um, in a street fight. It's, it's great to see uh, Wardlow getting this push. You know, he won the the uh, brass ring ladder match, uh, face of the revolution, sorry, ladder match where he grabbed the brass ring. He unfortunately cost the title by MGF, but that obviously played into the further storyline with the two. And yeah, uh, great to see Wardlow as TNT champion. I mean, it's been a it's been a long road for him, but I think he's got to where I think we all predicted he would eventually end up. You know, I think he had TNT champion at least written all over him. It's just like we just realized, you know, when it was going to happen, unless he really fully broke out as a single star. I think <clears throat> I think we have said in the past, though, you know, he's had a good few standalone singles matches against the likes of Cody and Jake Hager, and there was a few others in between. I think he even had a decent outing with CM Punk at one point. But I think it was only a matter of time. You know, he's a, he's a solid upper mid-card talent, and I think winning the TNT title is actually very good, you know, following his, his breakaway. You know, he's actually... He's, he's there as a standalone star now, not just MJF's lackey. Yeah, a homegrown talent as well. You know, he was shown mm-hmm. on the Double or Nothing uh, pay-per-view. He had those weird, those weird vignettes when um, those weird vignettes when he was just battering people in the street. Um, but yeah, the homegrown talent and his first TNT title, Scorpio Sky. Um, with, with due respect to Scorpio Sky. Him and America's top team at the minute, they feel very lower mid-card, sort of, you know, I felt it was devaluing the TNT title, you know, we had the likes of, you know, Cody winning the title and uh, Brody Lee, the matches they had together, Miro, the Redeemer winning it, Sammy Guevara, I think, he, he didn't do it justice. The matches with Cody held up his, was it three reigns? Mm-hmm, yep. So, yeah, they, they held that up, but Scorpio Sky winning the title back. Uh, Scorpio Sky, sorry, winning the title. It felt sort of, you know, because we we criticised, and rightfully so, I think, mm-hmm. the fact that Dark and Dark Elevation is considered part of the rankings. And, you know, people who, you know, are beating local competitors every week are now all of a sudden climbing up the rankings, but Scorpio Sky, I felt it was a bit of a downgrade for the title. And I'm glad to see Wardlow, a star on the rise and continual rise, as current champion. Mm-hmm. I just hope they don't hot potato the TNT too much because it sounds like they've had quite a lot of champions in such a short space of time. I just hope you know they give somebody at least a solid reign with it. Yeah, I think Wardlow could be that. And I think he could be someone to do an open challenge and have some very interesting matches. You know, he could have the... The big man, little man, you could have, mm. you know, going up against a technician and showing what you can do in that area and improving in that area. And mm. then of course you have some big horse battles, you know, the likes of likes of W. Morrissey and Jonah, the former Bronson Reed. They're no oh, longer yeah. on the 
they're no longer under contract with Impact. Proper big men slapping beat. That's what we the that's what EW. Yeah, there we go. There we go. But yeah, it's um, it's one of those ones that um, yeah, it, it would be great to it would be great to see. And yeah, best of luck to him. Hopefully, he's a great ring going forward. Aye, fingers crossed for him. I think you know. Let's just hope he can take the ball and run with it. Well, that's going to do it this week for us here on Central. Um, thank you for joining us. We might not be here next week. Um, our evil overlord, uh, Stephen Wilson, has taken a bride against her will. And, <laughs> He's getting a ball and chain. Yes, and with the with the upcoming nuptials, we may not have time to record a podcast, unfortunately. So we may see you next week. If not, we'll see you in two weeks' time. Thank you very much, David, for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me once again. Uh, don't forget, if you want to get involved in the conversation, it's at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, and if you want to listen to our massive back catalogue, reviews, previews, interviews, and all the news, then that's Eat to Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now.